Bad Wolf. Ah, woo. Bad Wolves of London. Uh, I was really hoping that you were going to... Here in my head, this is how it was going to work out. I was going to go, Bad Wolf. Ah, woo. And you were going to go, Bad Wolf indeed. <laughs> I can do that. I like it. Well, I just explained it. So if you I still want to... I mean, yeah, but it might be kind of fun for me to explain it. <laughs> I just want more talking time on this fucking podcast, Zachary. Hey, future Zach. Let, let me out. <gasps> let me out. And welcome back to another episode of Who Is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed? I am your host, Zach, and I know a lot about Doctor Who. And I'm also your host, Cassie, and I do not know a lot about Doctor Who. Well, you're about to finally know a whole season of Doctor Who. <gasps> uh, because this is a this two-parter is the end of season one. Um, or series wah, one. Wah, I'm wah. gonna keep I'm gonna go back and forth on them for a while, I'm sure. Doesn't matter. I know. Um, I'm sure I've said it five times now. This is uh, Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways. Bad Wolf, a phrase uh, we've seen multiple times over the course of this season. It's been put on posters. It's been spray painted on the TARDIS. Uh, I think most prominently it was the translation of the Blyde Droog project in the last episode. Yeah, they made a whole point of bringing it up. And then the doctor just kind of went, meh. That's probably not important. Cut to next episode being titled Bad Wolf. I'm really looking forward to this. And I say this because I know I told you already that my favorite story in this is The Empty Child uh, slash The Doctor Dances. But there is a not insubstantial number of people that still view this two-parter as the best of the season. Is Now, do you think that's because it's good or is it because it is the end? I think I will say it is good. This is not I'm not questioning its quality. For me, also, there is a I have a, I have a personal hang up with it that we'll talk about when we get into the later parts that make that put that knocks it down a few rungs here. That may not bother you at all, but we'll again, we'll talk about that when we get there. Now, question for you. Mm hmm. So I know when we started the I it, I mean, I, I've answered my own question, kind of. It's 2005. When are these airing? Just so I kind of have an idea about like the uh, context I'd... in which people are watching these episodes, if it's towards the end of the year, like Christmas time, where the, you know, the vibes are that of school being over, family time, festivities. So this season specifically, every season's a little different, so it's not, this isn't universally true. Mm -hmm. um, episodes one through 13 were showing between March and May, I believe, of 2005. Okay. So not end of the year, like calendar year, but still very reasonable to assume that yes. these are coming out right at the at the dawn of summer. Yeah. Okay. More or less. Like they were spring into summer. It was it was that kind of show. Episode 14 you're seeing sort of, it's sort of tagged here at season one on on Max. Um, I I think that counts more as the beginning of season two, uh, partly because, like I said, this starts episode 13 stopped airing in May of 2005. Mm -hmm. Episode 14 is a Christmas special. Okay. That came, so that came out on Christmas. So irrespective of how the streaming services choose to brand it, 
I feel like this is the end of the series or the end of the season. Okay. I imagine too, and I could be very wrong about this, and I suppose we will find out later. Christmas episode, Christmas special is a little bit of fluff. Uh, sort of. Uh, basically every season has a Christmas special. There are some exceptions. Some of them are really plot relevant. Some of them weren't when they were written and then became plot relevant later. Mm. So most of them are just meant to be really nice sort of self-contained stories. Like some of them don't even have the same companions as their previous or upcoming seasons. Okay. So every, but every Christmas special is different. One didn't even do a Christmas special. They did a New Year special. <laughs> hey, that. Yeah. Uh, which the, I think is neat. I think it's neat to do. The two are a week apart from each other. Yeah. So. And I think it's kind of neat to give other holidays you know, a special. Yeah, give other holidays a chance. Yeah. It's just kind of neat. Uh, cool, because you're exploring other themes that you cannot, that you can only explore certain things with Christmas, but other yeah. ones get open up other avenues. Give us an Easter special, Doctor Who's. <laughs> Where's our Arbor Day special? <laughs> um, so we're coming up here first on uh, Bad Wolf is the first one we're looking at. Uh, I already know what your effing question is going to be. How do you think uh, the phrase bad wolf has been following them? Something is after them. And just because I'm cheating, Dalek is in the next thumbnail. So I have a feeling that fucker's got something to do with it. But there is also a kid writing bad wolf on the... Mm -hmm. That kid is secretly a Dalek. I'll have you know, I grew up in the lost era. Like, I... I'm not lost, but lost was on a lot in my house when I was a kid. So whenever I hear anything with bad in front of it, I immediately think it's JJ Abrams's production company of bad robot. <laughs> so I'm like, this is just the doctor's production company. Bad wolf. I mean, it is funny you say that Russell T Davies. I don't know if this was while he was producing or if it became afterwards. Russell T Davies, his company is bad wolf productions dip. Okay. So I'm not wrong to feel that way. It's just, wrong in this context yes. what i don't know is how this relates for the record i am at back at a at a uh, 11 out of 22 guesses correct hovering at that 50 percent margin love to see it <laughs> i absolutely know i'm gonna fuck it up just a possibility right on your doorstep okay I think Bad Wolf is the name that somebody had dubbed him during the Time War, and that somebody is... The Doctor, you mean? You think Bad yeah, Wolf is the yeah, Doctor? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think that the Doctor is Bad Wolf. Okay. And I I think that it is meant to be more mocking. Okay. <sighs> mocking isn't the right word. Like taunting it, him. It feels the same way as, like, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Makes sense. Taunting, I suppose, is, okay. is the good word. So I think that the term bad wolf is meant to taunt the doctor. However, as he is somewhat of an immortal being, he has nothing to fear. So despite all efforts to taunt him, it has not phased him <laughs> until now. Or he's been like keeping it down and not trying to like release yeah. the secret. Okay. Kind of like, uh, um, um, I, kind of like the, what's that one? Like Babadook or, I don't even want to say some of the other cryptids that I'm aware <laughs> of because I do not want them coming over around here. Like, so, like Bloody Mary? Something you just, like that. You just stare into, into a mirror going, bad wolf, bad wolf, bad wolf. Ah, woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that we have reached the point, we've reached the doctor's breaking point for the bad wolf taunting. Okay. So I will phrase that as... 
I mean, I, you, I'll even just accept the doctor is bad wolf, if that's what you want to say. Sure. Like, we don't need it. We, like, the specifics of that out beyond that are fine. I, w- I will tell you, we are not going to find that out in the first episode. Okay. That is an answer. That, that is the thing that gets answered in the second episode. I but mean, we works. can also do a lump sum of four guesses just for the. Oh, I've got two board. more questions for the next one. Oh, but I'm, dip. Uh, All right, cool. And then uh, this is only sort of a spoiler in the sense that it's, but it, it's revealed pretty early on. Uh, this two-parter takes place once again on Satellite 5. Motherfucker, why can't we go anywhere else? <laughs> uh, I know. It's it, it's one of my great issues with this season is that they don't go very far. They go to two different satellites orbiting around Earth and then to Earth multiple times, uh, including yeah. Cardiff, like, twice. <laughs> yeah, they go to two satellites, Cardiff. London, Utah, Utah, and London. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, but it. I will also say this is in the future of Satellite Five. So this is after. This is uh, a while after the Doctor did his thing, the first time and killed Simon Pegg and the Zit Monster. Mm-hmm. What do you think might be going up on uh, Satellite Five now? Simon Pegg and the Zit Monsters. <laughs> uh, zit, 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 zit Monster. Eight AM with Simon Pegg and the Zit Monster coming at you. <laughs> That's the sound of the Zit Monster. So when last we left Satellite 5, Zit Monster was... Oh, no, his name was Max. Yeah. So when last we left the Zit Monster, Max was dead? Yes, Max exploded. Max exploded. But everybody else on Satellite 5 in the hundreds of floors... Mm -hmm. I should hope we see other floors... (laughs) But they were all still kind of there. So if so, Satellite Five before was at least what we saw of it was a news broadcast. I um, don't think it is a news broadcast center anymore. Okay. I I think that everybody who is there has taken refuge there and okay. has think, built their still, own little society. Okay, so it's not so you only get a TV station anymore. Well, because you're asking that, I want to say yes. Yes, it is a TV station. No. No. Yes. Entirely your call. Rabbit season. <laughs> Duck season. Elmer season? Duck season. Duck season. No. Yes, news station. No news station. I didn't say news station. I said television station. It's your choice if you want it to still be news or not. Oh my god, Zachary! Uh, oh, it's a fucking TV station. Because that's that's what you said out of your mouth. <laughs> okay, so it's a T so your guess is that it's a TV station because it's I what think I said that my everybody mouth. who has who was working there, living there, I think that it is a like people owned, people operated operation. Okay. What is what is what's the term for it? A wor- a worker owned company? Or at least a a, a, a human-owned and operated facility. Um, if that is so, with those guesses locked in, why don't we take a, a look here at Bad Wolf, and then we'll be right back with a with a little a little break, see, to talk a little bit about it before we get to the parting of the ways. This week's episode of Who Is My Doctor is brought to you by the letter A, as in Apple. Ah! That's what Apple sounds like if you replace all the letters in the word Apple with the letter A. Back to the show now. I'm 
so happy those nerds are back. <laughs> it's so weird here. I, I, I get it, but it's it's so amusing hearing you talk about being excited to see Daleks. They're just they're so stupid. <laughs> yes, the Daleks have returned from the uh, supposed extinction they had mere episodes ago. Well. To be fair, nobody knew. Yeah, that is. Uh, but and apparently they've been just floating around and uh, just off the edge of the solar system, hiding in invisibility for hundreds of years. I was going to say they 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 seem to have their own little cloaking devices. Yeah, the, uh, they said that the, they said the satellite was projecting two signals: one for the TV and one to cloak the Daleks. Brilliant masterminds, each and every one of those. So I guess we do have sort of an answer to one of your questions. I mean... You said... So, I'm of two minds on it. I said that the doctor is bad wolf, but I also said that it was... Oh, no, no. I, I was supposed to... Because we haven't found out who bad wolf it, who bad wolf is yet. Okay, cool. Uh, specifically, you you had said Satellite 5 was people owned and operated. And the people believe they own and operate it. So, I'm inclined to give you the point. But technically speaking, the Daleks own and operate. I mean, they're all just little guys. They're all just little guys. Too. So I'm inclined to give you that point, at least. We still don't know the answer to the second question here. But I will say, when I was talking earlier about me having sort of a personal hang-up with this two-parter, mm-hmm. it is that the opening half, or the, not even the opening, the first half of the episode requires you to know a lot about, not even a lot, but it requires you to know about three very specific British programs. I mean, yes and no, because I grew up watching TV and knew more or less like I well, I was younger, so I didn't watch Big Brother, but I knew about it. Mm-hmm. And Weakest Link. Yeah, and when I and, first watched this, I knew about the Weakest Link. To, and What Not to Wear. Like, those were all shows that were on and around. Now, that's also coming from somebody who was born in the 1990s. Yeah, it's just one of those, I don't feel like it ages very well. Now, to be fair, the entire time, though, when they were doing any sort of scene um, in the Big Brother house, I said, oh, it's like The Circle, which is a show on Netflix mm. that has somewhat of a similar thing. It, it is a kind of an eye in the sky sort of mm-hmm. reality TV. Everything's very scripted and you sign a waiver that basically says that you cannot complain if like you, you lose all rights to your own words and editors can do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those. Yeah, I, I only know that the show exists, and I I have gathered through osmosis that it's a little like the real world. I don't I don't really know much about it. I knew nothing about what not to wear, but I, I'd seen The Weakest Link, and I will say that Android is one of the greatest puns in sci-fi history. I, I think it's also something to be said of, even if you don't know the specifics of the show that they are supposedly on, there are enough other show clones where you don't need to know the context. I suppose there's that's fair. There's enough other fashion shows, even if it's not what not to wear. There's Queer Eye and... Yeah, you, 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 do, you do generally get the gist of it. I, oh, I, there's a lot of shows that mimic those same formats. Mm-hmm. And they've picked very three distinct, like, you have contestants in a house. You have contestants competing with their smarts and you have people 
Wearing clothes. <laughs> uh, I do think it was a nice touch that they had Anne and the hosts of Whatnot to wear. They were they were voicing their future droid counterparts. I thought that was just, I thought that's a cute touch. That is fun. Also, but you know, you were even commenting on how right after they get out of the Big Brother house, there's just sort of a solid four or five minute exposition dump. Five in ages. Game station now. Yeah, I uh Yeah, it, it it's not a great moment. Like I like I said, I still think the story is really engaging, especially like I think there's a lot of mystery to it. Because we still we still only kinda half half know what's going on. But we don't know we don't know how the doctor's gonna get out of this one. They're, they're like, a, there's a whole, whole many number of them Daleks out there. Well, that, and it's also even more intriguing because I know that the this is like the last one of this particular series. I also don't know what the thumbnail for the Christmas episode looks like. I know from you saying that, oh, that's kind of the beginning of the next series. So I know that the doctor is going to not exist the, the doctor dies yeah the doctor unalives changes form shape change well metamorphosis we he turns into a little doctor caterpillar again he just turns into a little egg he's an egg he's an egg <laughs> well uh so let's get into their follow-up for the cassie professor this round okay uh, we still don't know one of the answers from the last one but you did get one of one of the two uh, i'm giving one of the two points to you at, at least so far uh at the end of that preview we don't normally watch the preview but we i i allow them for two-parters because what does it matter we're about to watch it anyway at the end of it uh the doctor asks, how did you survive the time war they survived through me. That one's Big Wolf. <laughs> that Big Wolf? That it's Big Wolf. It's Bad Wolf versus Big Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who do you think Who do you think that voice might be? Um, Bad Wolf. Are you changing your first answer from... No, well... Let me put it this way. What do you think that character's relationship to the Daleks is? Like, do you think they're like... Oh, a... that's the Daleks' creator. Yeah? I think it's their creator? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I will tell you, Doctor Who has met um, Doctor Who has shown the Daleks creator before. I just remember you talking in the past about how the Daleks convince themselves to turn against their creator because they are not Dalek. Yes. Um, so the Daleks creator is a scientist named Davros, who, for the most part, looks like a really fucked up guy in but he and he rolls around in the bottom half of a Dalek. Like the the part that looks like it's got all the bumps on it. Yeah, the the dress part. Yeah, the dress part. It, he like he rolls around in that like it's a wheelchair. Okay. Um. So you think so you believe that voice to be Davros? Uh. Well, I don't know because if he's dead, and it. I will tell you, sounded... he he di- he's died more than once. <laughs> well, yeah, but it also sounded very like it sounded very distinctly like the other Dalek, just much deeper. So there is a a big difference. Between them, okay. I if I just want to give a general guess, this one just Dalek but bigger. <laughs> just just big Dalek. Yeah, as this opposed make... to the other ones being just a little guy, this one is a big boy. This is a big guy. It's a big boy. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm going to label it as Big Daddy Dalek. <laughs> Big Daddy Dalek. So, um, who do you think saves the day in this one? Oh, Captain Jack. You think Captain Jack saves the day? Yeah. Okay. It would be his turn, I suppose. Yeah. Rose and Doctor done it enough. Yeah, I think Captain Jack is the one to save the day in this one. All right. That's so, my vote, Captain Jack. Okay. He's the savior. So the new Cassie Brafassies are of a Big Daddy Dalek and Captain Jack saving the day. And uh, so from here, we will be right back one more time after the parting of the ways. And we are back from the parting of the ways. Wow. How marvel of them. Yeah, it, it ends with Doctor Who will return in the Christmas invasion. Just very, very end of a Marvel movie. It is indeed. <laughs> so, um, I guess, I mean, I normally like to go through the episode, maybe not in order, but at least through the meat, but you just saw your first uh, regeneration. I did. And you know what? So when I was a kid, I saw Wicked for the first time. My favorite part was when um, <laughs> Fierro is turning into the Tin Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Fierro? I thought it was... Uh... Uh, it was Bach. Yeah, it Bach. Was Bach or my favorite part was when Bach is turning into the Tin Man. Because there's just something about men in pain transforming that just... Grease is a wheel. <laughs> so I loved it. <laughs> Well, you're going to enjoy it more because the next couple are even more violent than that. Oh, delicious. <laughs> but we'll get to Ooh. those when we get to those. Christopher Eccleston is the short outside of the eighth Doctor who only lasted one TV movie. Christopher Eccleston only lasted one season of Doctor Who. Okay. Making him of, you know, the, the doctors that got seasons. He is the shortest of all of them. Um, Which is kind of funny because he seems pretty tall. <laughs> there, there's so, there's a lot of reports around why he left, uh, and I don't want to conflate all of them, but some of the reasons were that he, I guess, wasn't aware of how much time it would take away from him. Shooting a season of Doctor Who is basically six to nine months of work, but Christopher Eccleston had no way of knowing that because he was the first one to do it. Mm. Now, there are some other things like he had some issues with the BBC production and how some of the staff was treated. Some of that's... Ironically enough, though, it sounds like the thing that drove him the way was time. Yeah, ironically. Okay, so this is uh, Zach coming back, coming to you after uh, I'd edited the podcast, and I just wanted to make a little addendum here because uh, I'm worried it sounds like Christopher Eccleston left because of scheduling reasons. I want to be very clear, that's a little part of it, but a larger part of it, and I think the part that he would tell you, is that the set environment was ridiculously toxic. Uh, Some of the reports are related to things we talked about on a previous pod where John Barrowman liked to whip his dick out. Um, But moreover, as far as I'm aware, it is that the uh, crew were being mistreated. Uh, some of the lower level cat, lower level meaning not leads, not lower levels and unimportant. Uh, lower level cast were being mistreated, and especially recently with some of the comments Christopher Eccleston has made, where he doesn't want to come back unless a lot of people in charge are fired. I didn't want this to come across incorrectly. Christopher Eccleston left because the BBC was mistreating people in production. 
that is the long and short of it, to be honest. Um, so just wanted to make that clear. Anyway, back to the podcast. But yes, he he only lasted one season, and he's not come back since. He, which is rare. Usually, Doctor like, I mean, he'll, he'll show up at like cons and stuff, and he he just recently did his first audio drama. Okay. He really like just he didn't, and you know, part of it was also that. He didn't think Russell T. Davies knew what he wanted his doctor to be until, like, really late into production. And you can kind of get that a little bit. Yeah, it's like a lot of it was the, I mean, the character isn't necessarily all over the place, but he's, it's a little loose, which is, in some ways, it's nice because it gives his doctor a real, like, unpredictable kind of energy. There, Um, there is a lot of room for him to breathe. Yes. But in that same sense, there is a lot of inconsistencies. And I am the most upset at the fact that at the very beginning of the season, I said, Rose and the Doctor have a, like, brother-sister dynamic. And then I said, oh no, Father's Day confirms them having, like, a father-daughter dynamic. I was wrong. I don't think you were wrong. I think that's also part... It's too passionate of a kiss, though. (laughs) Well, more what I mean is, I think part of what I was saying about they never really figured... They never landed on what they wanted Christopher Eccleston's Doctor to be. I think that was part of it. They never really figured out... They never properly ironed out that relationship to where that kiss at the end kind of does feel like a, a little out of left field. Now I think it that- feels very out of left field, and the only reason why I can make my peace with it is because it is a kiss with a job. Yeah, it's it is, and also you know Jack kisses both of them earlier in the That's episode. That's different. So. Jack is a little slut. <laughs> well, I just mean there there's a certain level where it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. Yeah, but also Jack is going up to everybody and giving them like a a solid like. <laughs> you haven't seen your grandma in a minute kiss and you're just she's smooching your cheek and just giving you lots of love and affection yeah the, that that between rose and the doctor is not that yeah again i can make my peace with it because it is serving the purpose of taking all of the space time energy Vortex? Yeah, the time vortex is what is what they call it. It's the, the time vortex out of Rose. Because that's how kisses work. <laughs> like a time vortex just, vacuum. Just, just sucked it out of her like soup. I'm going to suck the time vortex through a Rose Tyler straw. Ew. <laughs> I mean, I also generally dislike the doctor having a romantic relationship with an earthling. Because I feel like to Time Lords, humans should be like pets. I mean, yes, but it. I I look at it similar to D and D rules of elves dating humans, mm-hmm. because elves live hundreds of years and humans simply do not. So in my head, it it really does feel more like Time Lord finds a human partner. And can have a multiple human partners in their lifetime mm. because their lifetime is infinite. Yeah. Because looking at somebody as a pet, it's just like, oh, you're so cute. You're just so 
small and so <laughs> sweet with your emotions and your needs and such. Like, and this is also coming from a place of, I know quite a few people who on the regular will say something, or will say the lines, humans are so cute as if they aren't a human being as well. <laughs> and that, that, that logic has always gotten under my skin a little bit, so... That is where that stance comes from. <laughs> well, let's we can come back around uh, to the regeneration at the end here. But so let's talk a little about a little bit about the episode itself. First of all, your predictions. Uh, you were right I, that I don't want to talk about it. You were right that I don't the want to talk about it. the Dalek Emperor is just Big Daddy Dalek. Uh, he views himself as a god. He is the ruler of the Daleks, and because they have been trapped on spaceships for hundreds of years. With no one else to talk to but each other, they have lost their minds and genuinely believe the Emperor Dalek to be a god now. The Emperor Dalek even believing himself to be immortal. But what a voice on that one, though. Is it the same... I believe it is. Is it the same guy who does all of the other dorky Daleks? I believe it is Nicholas Briggs on those two. Because we have... So in my head, we've got Big Daddy Dalek, and we've got all of the dorky Daleks. All of the dorky Daleks? Yeah. Uh, I believe Nicholas Briggs, at least at this point, is doing the voice for all of them. Um, oh, because they're all the same. Yeah, and he'll and it just modulate his voice deeper for uh, the uh, the Emperor Dalek. Hmm. <laughs> Something about modulated voices—they just scratch that part of my brain I can never get. <laughs> and then uh, your other prediction was that Bad Wolf was the Doctor. I don't feel like I'm entirely wrong with that. The Bad but Wolf, but I'm also not right because it is not taunting yeah but i'm also don't think i'm wrong because i don't fully understand what bad wolf was in the first place okay so just so bad wolf is bad wolf, it's really bad difficult wolf. to say where it what started you gonna do but it uh what you gonna do when i come for you bad wolf bad wolf <laughs> uh so bad wolf was the phrase that Rose Tyler put th- when she absorbed the time vortex looking into the heart of the TARDIS, she scattered the words bad wolf across time and space in order to, ru- in order to keep her from staying in the 20, 20- in 2006 when the doctor dropped her off. Basically it was a, re- it was a, a, a breadcrumb for herself to lead her back to the doctor. Huh? Because when she absorbed the time vortex, she had control. She had more control over time and space enough to erase the Dalek fleet from existence altogether. Yeah. Um, and also to take the words "bad wolf" from the Bad Wolf Corporation and plaster them in places where Rose Tyler would see them. Okay, because I was trying to move the letters around because I was like, "Oh, well, she said that it was like a code." I got dab dab loaf, which, <laughs> dab loaf, which I didn't think was correct. No, it's it's not necessarily about. Uh, it's not an anagram, as far as I'm aware. It most people refer to the entity where Rose Tyler and the heart of the TARDIS are one are of one body. Yeah, they refer to that character as Bad Wolf. It is it is one of those uh, little wibbly wobbly timey wimey bits. This feels like another thing where I just have to say. This is the logic of the show. Yeah, this is this is time travel logic. And I know Jack wasn't the hero. We don't have to discuss that. No, but Jack did die and then come back to life. 
That doesn't make him a hero, though. No, no it was just an interesting but point. But then though. also, he isn't on the TARDIS, so he's yeah, he he's just kind of stuck there. At the moment, yeah. Hmm. Can I spoil it for myself a little bit? Does he come back? He does come back. Woo! Uh, in fact, he was in the show again fairly... Re- I think we talked about this before, but he was in the show again fairly recently. Woo! Uh, I think it was not this past season, but the season before it, he had a uh, an extended cameo in one episode. I, re- I do really enjoy uh, the build-up to Rose getting to look into the heart of the TARDIS. Like, I don't necessarily know how I feel about her making a scene in a public restaurant. I mean, to be fair, there was nobody else there. Yeah. And I also like... I don't want to say I liked it necessarily, but... There's an authenticity to it. There is a a part... There's a part of that where it's like, she truly is unhinged. Yeah. She is unhinged and... She's grieving. Yeah. She doesn't care. Yeah. And we even see a little bit of that when she's saying when she's specifically talking to Mickey saying that there's nothing else for her. And I think you made the point of she can't even say that without like She's not looking at him when she says it. No. Because she know I think she knows that it's a mean thing to say to Mickey, but she's saying it because she needs Mickey to finally let go. And I think having an outburst in a public restaurant really is a final straw sort of moment. Yeah, and then also because her Because coming... you can have breakdowns at home all day, every day, but when it's a public sort of display, that really does confirm to you and to other people around you this is not just an emotional mood swing, some something that's just going to come and go in a second. Like, it's a something that's really on the surface. Yeah. And I liked the moment where Rose tells her mom about meeting her dad. Yeah. Doctor took me back in time and I met dad. Don't say that. Remember when dad died? There was someone with him. A girl, a blonde girl. She held his hand. Me too. That was a very good actor moment for her as well. Yeah. For both of them, truthfully. Yeah. And then... The fact that it turns the mom, uh, turns Jackie around to helping, helping Rose too. Well, because I think at that point she's realized that her, her daughter is right. She can't go back to the way that life was before. Yeah. Because she has intrinsically altered the way that everybody's lives are because of the doctor, because of the TARDIS. Yeah. Jackie's life is going to be different right from the gate anyways because her husband had to die but the fact that Rose was there and was this quote mysterious blonde that held his hand that held his hand I think in that moment she does realize like yep this this is the life that my this is my daughter's life yeah it's really nice seeing those two characters specifically having this you know I don't know if I want to call it a full character arc, but it is a journey for those characters where Mickey is finally le- able to let Rose go and not and not even like a, a let her go in like a really angry way like he did last time. And Jackie is so will, so able to let her go that she's the one who gets the truck, the tow truck. Yeah, because somebody owes her a favor, yeah. which also like she's cashing in a favor for her daughter. Yeah. But then sure enough, the doctor has to uh, when he first... He first has to trick Rose into being in the TARDIS to send her back. 
I did and I didn't like that because I think it's a really bullshit move. But also, there's no other way that he was going to get Rose to go into the TARDIS. Yeah, and it's also it's also nice to ha- show him keeping his promise to someone that he doesn't necessarily like. Keeping his promise and also he's doing it not only for Jackie, but also he's, he's doing it for Rose because yeah. he knows that <laughs> the outcome is bleak. And he, he tricks her into it and then he has a little hologram set up to talk to her. Which is such a wizard move. Yes. What's really interesting is how the hologram looks at her at the end. I, hey, I know it's it's a trope, mm. I suppose, or it's like, well, yeah, because he's doing the dialogue in the room and then they do whatever, do movie magic on top of him. Mm-hmm. But I, I've always liked when holograms know exactly where, know the person that they're speaking to well enough that they can predict where they're going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I like that in that moment, the doctor knew that Rose was going to be walking about the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go into a lot of detail about this, but now that you've had a full season, the full story of Christopher Eccleston's doctor, really, um, how how do you feel about it? Um, how are you feeling about... Um, I still will stand by, I don't think he is my doctor. Okay. I appreciate his doctor. I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, especially because for a lot of people, David Tennant is the Doctor. Because also, also, because for me, the Doctor I'm most familiar with isn't actually David Tennant. It's Matt Smith. Yeah. Because that was all of my people, like everybody that I hung out with in Mm -hmm. college. He was like their go-to favorite Doctor. I will say, I think part of that is that the 11th Doctor is a lot easier to cosplay. Maybe. Uh, like, David Tennant is very unique and specific, and so it's it's also not difficult to cosplay, but that's usually that usually requires buying certain pieces. A lot of people already might have a lot of Matt Smith stuff. They just need to buy, like, a bow tie or a fez. Yeah. Um, that's not to knock any of them. I just think that's part of why... I mean, that's kind of why... Prevalent. Uh, that's... Kind of why a lot of characters are people's favorites. Yeah. Because they're easy to dress up as. Yeah. Case in point, Raven. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely easy cosplay. Very recognizable. Doesn't have anything to do with this podcast. Just wanted to casually mention that's one of the (laughs) cosplays I do. (laughs) Yeah, I I also really enjoyed rewatching this with you because every time I've watched it before, now I've always watched it on a computer. Which is fine, but now that we've you and I've been watching it together on our TV, there are details I haven't caught before. Like in this two-parter specifically, when Rose meets Linda for the first time, Rose is very clearly jealous of Linda. Uh, and he- I do like that Linda is the Rose stand-in for when <laughs> Rose gets sent home, basically. Yeah, because there are little moments where like Rose is about to say something, but then Linda says it first, and Rose just has this look of bitch on her face mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's, it's a just very one, natural reaction to it's just really nice that I'm coming up on probably my fifth watching of some of these episodes and it's just it's really nice that I'm still seeing new things and I gain I gain a new a new appreciation for the writing and some of the acting choices yeah so that's the end of our run with Christopher Eccleston here we're coming up on David Tennant after that regeneration I really like the regeneration effect 
Uh, it looked different every time they did it in the classic in Classico. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one was very kind of silly where just like a cocoon man follows the doctor around for a story and then the doctor falls off of a big like scaffolding and the cocoon man slides himself right over the doctor and he becomes the next iteration it's very it's very weird that uh, sounds kind of silly yeah i there's a part of me that, that most regenerations look like that from now on with the orange the orange spray effect but there's a part of me that kind of wishes they were willing to get a little sillier with it again. I mean, you never know. Yeah. And I also like that uh, the regeneration gives you hair gel, as David Tennant has just discovered. I also do like the, just because this is, this is my first regeneration, mm-hmm. that this doctor picks up, or that David Tennant picks up right where Christopher Eccleston left off. Yeah, talking about the planet Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, his his touch of new teeth that's weird. <laughs> there is a part that's like, oh, cool, I that that makes the doctor a real person. <laughs> yeah, um, there's something about just acknowledging that you have a different form and face, and the thing that you are going or that you fixate on first is not your height, is not your build, but the way that words feel coming out of your mouth yeah. because your teeth are different. <laughs> That's some autistic bullshit if I've ever heard any. Uh, and we get to enjoy David Tennant's attempt at a British accent the entire time. Because he is a Scotsman. What is with them in hiring Scotsmen? <laughs> yeah. And not letting them be Scottish. Let them be Scottish. Uh, they, Peter Capaldi is also a Scotsman, but he gets to be Scottish as the doctor. So I'm sure there's a part of David Tennant that's like, what? Was that a choice? Why couldn't I do that? Well, because you were talking about, um, what's his nuts? To... <laughs> Captain Jack. Oh, John Barrowman. Yeah, John Barrowman is, uh, he's, I think, a dual citizen. I think he's both UK and American citizen. Uh, he is, he is born in Scotland, and I believe he lived there until he was like five or six, and then he moved to the United States. So he grew up using an American accent. So he, but he can flip into either one. He prefers using his American accent for people that he, for when he is not speaking with close friends or family let them be scottish because <laughs> i'm also thinking about actors like ewan mcgregor who more often than not in movies does not speak with his accent yeah with his normal talking voice i mean it sort of depends especially because in the uk like the regions are so much smaller than they are here in the states i suppose um so if you move a character like you know, a few miles south, suddenly they're going to have a wildly different accent. But we'll find out what, how much uh, this new doctor is like Christopher Eccleston, how different he is. Yeah, that's because I, I kind of piggybacking off of the thing I said earlier. I like that he picks up right where this doctor left off. But my understanding of the doctors is that each one does bring their own isms and their own like. Yeah. And so I am curious to see how. He is both similar and how he was, how, how David Tennant is different from Christopher Eccleston. The way I like to think about it is all the doctors have the same like personality dials, but what levels each thing is turned to will change based on the portrayal. I imagine too, it's, it's, it's similar to seeing a Broadway show or like listening to the original Broadway cast, but then seeing several tours of it that mm-hmm. does not have the original Broadway cast mm-hmm. 
where take for instance a a show like the book of mormon <laughs> like yes you still have your elder price and your elder cunninghams being opposites of each other but you're not ever going to have andrew randall's andrew randall's randall's and Josh uh olaf to olaf yeah call him by his actual name olaf gad hello i'm elder cunningham and i like warm hugs yeah but i i'd imagine it is more that energy where it's every other there is no one set doctor like this is how it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. there is just a general like here are specific traits the doctor here is a specific backstory that you have as the doctor here is what people did before you have fun (laughs) i think i think you're gonna like him especially i've gained some new appreciation for the the journey his doctor goes through and i will say that i don't want to say with absolute certainty but i if i were to rank them i do think I do think like three of my top five stories are in David Tennant's run. Okay. Now I'm confused. So how many episodes then does David Tennant doctor have? Uh, Every doctor after Christopher Eccleston has taken three seasons. Oh, dip. All right. And that is, that's the most common thing. Uh, And that's partly based off of what uh, ironically, the second doctor, Patrick Troughton, that was his advice to future doctors. Um, so most doctors have taken three seasons. The first one had three seasons, not entirely intentionally. Oh yeah, we've discussed that. Yeah, he, he got sick, and so he had to he had to quit the show. He he was Doctor Parnarsis. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, second, but doc- then a tradition was born. Yeah, so. the, the second doctor took three seasons because that was what he wanted. The fifth doctor asked the second doctor for advice, and he took three seasons. The second doctor quit because the BBC was screwing him over so he only got two seasons uh, and then the seventh doctor got three seasons um, and then Tennant Matt Smith Peter Capaldi and Jodie Whittaker took three seasons each I keep hoping someone will hang on for a little bit longer um, but, but you know it's not tradition well even then it's like it's their choice uh, the third doctor took five seasons and the fourth doctor took seven it's not tradition. Yeah, so it's just, it's a matter of what feels right for their careers, and so I don't begrudge any of them the choice. I would just, I think it'd be fun if someone, like, you, let, you, let their... You want, you want a Keenan Thompson of Doctor Who. A little bit. I would like, I, I, I want to see someone take their portrayal and have them go through a longer arc than just three no seasons. No question. Just because we are going to, we, this is, this is the, the wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Um... Will we see Rose again? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, multiple times, in fact. She is she is still the companion of next season. Okay, cool. Uh, but then she has she has a couple other appearances. Because uh, I I know that one of um, David Tennant's companions is <clears throat> I don't remember her name, but she's. Um, can you describe her? I can. Redhead. Oh, Catherine Tate. Yeah. I was going to say Lucy Hale, but I was like, that's that other. That's a totally different person. That is a completely different person who has been. She's been in uh, an evil stepsister in a in, a, in an iteration of Cinderella like mm-hmm. four times. I digress. Christian Tate. Kristen Tate. Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. Uh, she was in the office. Oh, OK. 
So I, I'm familiar with her from The Office and in grade school when I was watching The Office when it was on TV, <laughs> which I didn't ever think would age me as much as it does <laughs> now, but um, some of my friends that were watching it knew her from Doctor Who. and Okay. So they were really excited that she was there and I did not have any clue <laughs> why people were so excited about her. And so I, I know a handful of the bits. Well, you'll certainly see them when we get to them. Uh, but that's not now. That's the that's in the future. Good. Let me go to bed, please. <laughs> you you may finally go to bed uh, as rest. we uh, as we come next time to start David Tennant's journey on who is my doctor. Who is my doctor? Who is indeed? Good night. Good night. <laughs> closes our chapter with Christopher Eccleston's doctor. Boy, I sure I'm going to miss that one part. You know the one. It was your favorite part. With the with the thing and the thing. But next week we get to our first story with David Tennant, many people's favorite doctor, and I actually did a little poll on Twitter asking you guys who you thought would be Cassie's doctor, and Tennant was the clear winner. I guess we'll have to see how right those votes were as we keep going. And if you'd like to vote in our next poll, you can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, or Threads at WimdyPod. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. Please give us a like or five stars or a thumbs up to help us get discovered by the algorithm. Or, or, you can take control of the algorithm with your own two hands. Show that man can defeat machine by sharing this podcast with anyone that you think would like it. Well, either way, we will see you next week for our Christmas special, or we'll be watching a Christmas special. It's almost like I planned it.